Let's get into some deeper things here with the uh, letter to the church in Ephesus, chapter 5, verses 22 to 24. Please read with me the holy word of God. Wives, be subject to your own husband as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself being the Savior of the body. As the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Father, in this day and age, these are strange words. But Father, these are your words forever and ever. So Lord, I ask that you would teach us. Show us the amazement of this text. And Father, may we rejoice that we have been bought and paid for. We are the precious possession of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Christ's name. Amen. Okay, here we go. The priorities of the wife. We, over the last few weeks, have been looking at the matter of submission. Um, Everybody know what the Great Commission is? It's not to make converts. It's not to get people saved. It is to make disciples. Okay? Of all peoples. Of all peoples. And what we are dealing with in this text is God's standard for marriage. Okay? Uh, We were discussing in Sunday school, this is the time of year people stop by and ask me if I can do a wedding. And I tell everybody that unless you sit under my teaching, no. There's all kinds of guys. I, I know pastors right now that say Saturday is their best day because they can do six or seven weddings on a Saturday and make between two and five thousand dollars. And, you know, and these guys are what you would call Bible teaching pastors. But I'm not sure that they believe what they're teaching. God's standard for marriage is, uh, to say the least, different than the world. One of the things that I think, and I, and you know, thinking about these pastors who make that much money, of course, part of me says, I'm in the wrong line of work. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, you know, four Saturdays, I'm going to the Bahamas, I'll be back. <laughs> Part of it is that I look at it and I think, okay, every Christian, you know, and I look at all of those that were out there that I I taught through the days that I taught out there. And the thing that I always keep sticking in my head is that every person who professes Jesus Christ, okay, regardless of how biblically smart or illiterate they are, is considered salt and light. And if you are salt and light, that's what we are, then that means that this world is decaying and dark. And I think we miss that sometimes, that we don't understand. We look at people doing good deeds. I mean, uh, that building that fell down in Florida, and you see all them guys risking their lives to find uh, survivors or remains or whatever, and we think... Wow, that's, you know, those guys are risking their own lives. And yet, it's still a decaying and dark world. And that is not what a believer is. We are here as salt and light. We are called because we are salt and light. And this makes sense. If it's a decaying and dark world then it makes sense that we are called to live differently. Okay, We don't live in darkness. We don't live in decaying. Um, That is the society we are in. And it hasn't changed. I I find it fascinating. Everybody is convinced that uh, the things now are so more enlightened than they were a thousand years ago. And I'm sitting there going, There's nothing new under the sun. We might have a new name for it, but there's nothing new under the sun. And yet, I mean, even even if we're looking at sin, 
Well, I can't believe they, they've been doing it for centuries. And, and it doesn't matter. I showed you the culture that Ephesus existed in. You had Greeks, you had Romans, and you had Jews. And all of them had a different qualifications for relationships. And you can see the same thing right now in San Francisco or Denver. It hasn't changed. Nor, as our country is trying so hard to moralize immorality, that ain't changed. There's nothing that's changed. Governments have been doing that since man decided we should have a government. And because of that, it's never easy to be different because of social pressure. In my short run as a shepherd, I've been called an antichrist. I've been called a Pharisee. Uh, not by the same person. But come on, make up your mind. <laughs> but and I think about it and I was like, and you're all clueless. You're all clueless. Uh, a guy said, you know, your hair seems a little long for a Baptist preacher. I just smiled at him. I said, you know, I put a GoFundMe page, but I've only got about 78 cents. You're more than welcome to contribute. Uh, no, man. It, if you think you can shame me, <laughs> you're a bigger fool than I ever dreamed. Okay, but how's come you don't have no sleeves in your t-shirt? Because it hasn't gotten cold yet. I mean, I don't... Is that really the issue? And, you know, my thing and my challenge to those who want to persist is, tell you what, walk with me a week. Okay, because you're worried about the outward appearance. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not concerned about the outward appearance. I am considered about the inward. So it's never easy in our social pressure. Listen, I have learned the hard way that to speak on certain issues in this day and age. But as I look back in history, any day and age, it is hard to be heard. It is hard to be heard. I remember there was having the Castle Rock Day of Prayer. And uh, it's been a few years ago. And uh, it was following the weekend after a gay, gay pride something or other down at the event center. And we had a list of things, all the pastor, a lot of pastors in town were there. We had a list of things that we were going to pray about. Okay, we were praying for the, the police, we were praying for the military, praying for government officials, and all the rest of it. So we were sitting there. So one of the guys there says, well, what happens if some of the gay pride people show up and believe that we should pray for them? So the guy who kind of organized the thing says, well, I tell you what, I'll separate from the group and I'll go over and talk to him. Anybody want to go with me? I said, I'll go. Oh, my God, you can't go. Why not? Perhaps I am what they need. And perhaps you're the problem that they can't get out of where they're at. I've told some of you that I'm dealing with a trans something or other. And uh, he sought me out. You know, I he comes from a hardcore Catholic background. I showed him all the things that was wrong with Catholicism. I showed him all the things wrong with what he's coming up with. He made a statement to me one time. He says, well, I'm going to do it anyway because I know God will forgive me. And I had to show him scripture that said, uh, no, buddy, you have deceived yourself. And I showed up to him. He started crying. But I share this because it is a very difficult time to be heard. Okay? Uh, we were looking this morning in our study. The world don't know Him. And the ones who profess to know Him have made one that they wanted. You cannot be a God of love if you are not a God of hatred. Period. Period. 
You have to have both. You cannot be a God of righteousness and not be a God of judgment. That's hard in our world to hear that. And therefore, if it's hard to hear, then it's even harder to apply. We are engulfed in a system of worldly living. And listen, I don't want you to think that we're special. Okay? Go read Corinthians. Okay? When you read Corinthians, that mess was growing by leaps and bounds, and they were bringing it into the church. There was a man who was with his father's wife, and they were bragging about it. Okay? So please don't tell me that we are in a time... Well, you just don't understand our time compared to that. Well, there ain't nobody here with their stepmom, is there? Okay? And yet Paul emphatically says, if they're not going to change it, kick them out. Let the world teach their flesh a lesson. The world is alive and well, and in some cases, thriving in the church. And they look like the world. You and I should not look like the world. We should be different. But, you know, you're stuck in that thing eight days a week. And if you are not renewing your mind daily, you're going to be roadkill. Sometimes, when God sets the standard, we look at it and say, that's impossible. Well, if He set the standard, then He's made it possible and probable. We are called to a higher life. Literally every Christian is called to another lifestyle, a new character. We have new thinking, new talking. I shared with you before that I used to be in the trades, and you use profanity as normal conversation. Okay? And it worked well, whether it's adverbs, adjectives, didn't really matter. When I became a child of the living God, any time profanity came out my mouth, it was like I stuck my head in a barrel. And I was like, I don't think that's really appropriate. <laughs> so that was one of the first things that God says, you got to clean up your mouth, Slick. God calls me Slick, in case you were wondering. So if I've got new thinking and I've got new talking, then that means I've got new actions. And you know what? When that is rectified, then you will be led to new ministries. You'll be doing things that you never dreamed of or imagined. We set our affections on the things above. If we don't, we will be corrupted. We put on the new man so that we may walk worthy. We no longer walk as the Gentiles. Remember what Paul's told us in his letter? We no longer function as this world. We have been removed from the kingdom of darkness and we've been placed into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God's dear Son. And we don't think the way the world thinks. We do not have the priorities of the world. You know what? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, a true disciple of Jesus Christ, you shouldn't act the way the world acts. Okay? It doesn't mean I do not have interchange in the world. Have you ever seen people that will watch the news or talk shows or talk radio or something like that? And they listen to it, and after about 15 or 20 minutes, about, their blood pressure goes up about 100 points on both numbers. And they just come, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Like that, you know. I watch the news. Okay? It don't do that to me. There's times I look at it and go, well, looky there. 
<laughs> we, we got dumb and dumber. Because <laughs> they're in office. Okay? I mean, I look at it, when I look at world news or local news, and they tell me that the world's burning up, I'm, I'm watching the Northwest is going to be in triple digit and we're all going to die. And I'm thinking, the Northwest needs to. <laughs> sounds good. We'll repopulate it with people who've got some sense. Okay, but I listen to them and they get into this. Oh my God! Oh my God! Oh my God! Oh my God! And you know, it's just like climate change. I have people that come and tell me, "Okay, this is what the science says, and it goes this way and goes this way, and then we're going to do. And if we don't do something, we're out of here." And I was like, "Well, what are you going to change it to?" And they go, "What? Well, if we got to stop climate change, what do you want to change it to? You want just a consistent seventy degrees with rain in the afternoon? What are we looking at here?" I don't know what you're, you want to change it. What do you want to change it to? I don't have any problem with it. I mean, God cooled us off out there. I complained on Wednesday night. I said, Lord, this is hot and hot. And he said, all right, bring your parker. Okay. See what I'm trying to get at? The world wants to mold you. Some of us don't put up any struggle at all. We are called upon to be distinct. Our goals are not the same. We shouldn't act the way the world acts. We are identified as unique. The Jews in the Old Testament were unique to everybody. They were a peculiar people. Do you think it would be any different for the church? We are peculiar people. Be holy, for I am holy. And the key to all of this is verse 18 of chapter 5. Be filled with the Spirit. And it means I am being led along by the Spirit of the living God. The only way to do that is to separate from the world. I can't let them be my influence. If I spend more time in the world than I do into the Word of God, guess what happens? It's, it's like, have you ever watched? I've seen this so many times. You can bring one Southerner and you put him or her into a room full of Yankees and you spend four hours together. What is the accent that comes out of that room? And it's every time. When my wife runs into her brother, he's in North Carolina. And within a day, I don't have any idea what any of them are saying. <laughs> I've talked to my brother-in-law and say, hey, how you doing, Bill? And it's, hey, you know, like, okay, cool. That means you're doing well, huh? <laughs> but, but, but I've seen that over and over again. And what happens to a saint if you stick him in the world? He looks just like the world. And in some cases... Tragically, it doesn't take very long at all. Are you filled with the things of this world? Or are you filled with the Spirit of God? I taught on this last night out of 1 John. It says, The lust of this world is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. But the lusts of this world are passing away. And there's coming a time when we won't be affected by it. I look forward to that time. But until that time, I have to protect myself. I have to guard myself. That's part of the reason I like church. What's the alternative? Hang out with lost people. Who are you going to act like? I have a lot of interaction with lost people. But I limit it. Okay? I don't spend a lot of time. I'll go in, I'll deal with them. They, you know, you ever cuss? And I said, yeah, but you'll never hear it. <laughs> and that, what? <laughs> but I'm very limited in the time I want to spend with lost people. I don't want to act like that. I don't want to bring shame on my father. Too many in the church today are filled with the things of the world. And they're not filled with the spirit of the living God. And yet we are called to a new lifestyle. A, you have a new nature. At the moment of your salvation, 
bam, you've got it. Now act like it. Remember how I broke this letter down? First three chapters, this is who you are in Christ. Last three chapters, this is how it looks. If you don't fit the second half, you need to check the first half. It's amazing to me how uh, many people know what they're supposed to do now that they're Christians. But how few know the resources they have to do it. Whether you are at work, whether you are at play, whether you're at school, whether you are at home, you're different. You're different than the world. That is why the very structure and organization of the church is different. It is completely different than world organizations. Many of the false worships that take place among us, women take the lead. And I've heard this. Well, you've got to invest in the ones that God gave you. I do. Male or female? All equal. Well, if you don't have any leadership, I'll stand alone. I don't have a problem. I'm not going to compromise the Lord's standard just to make people happy. There was a church out east. Small, small, small church. I mean, their biggest numbers ever was about 65. And I know their pastor, he actually spoke out there uh, Friday, I think it was, Saturday. And um, out of 65 people, they sent 40 to full-time ministry. Now, how you do that In the full-time ministry, they quit their jobs to serve Christ. Okay? The pastor's uh, wife had MS for most of her life, and she became very ill. So he had to retire and to take care of his wife. It would become a full-time thing. So he left. They went through a couple of pastors that no one could agree on, and now they've got one. Got a dandy. She. And the church is falling apart. They're actually probably less than a month away from disbanding completely. A church that sent 40 people into full-time ministry. And this haughty, this haughty woman has destroyed the church. Okay. The great false religions that you know of, the Davidians, okay, JWs, I can go down a list. Go see who their founder is. Women. It's women. They were never designed to be put into leadership of any kind. Did you hear what I said? We think that, well, women have attributes that are not designed for leadership. Sorry. They do have attributes. There's no doubt in my mind. But I know the danger. And God designed them to be in a following role. I listen to women. All the time. All the time. I even say, I even, every once in a while, I'll even ask women, what do you think? But that's not what they were designed for. Many of the false worshiping women take the lead and they do it in truth. I remember the best one I ever heard. Uh, the lady took over the pastor of a church because her husband died and he was the pastor. And so she went before the committee or whatever and she says, <laughs> the two are one. He's gone, I'm up. 
church lasted less than six months. But it was a good argument. I was like, well, this is an original. I'll write that one down. That's pretty good. Women submitted to their own husband as unto the Lord. Listen, I hate to break the news to you. That is in direct opposition to the system that we live in. Direct opposition. What we face today is the same the Apostle Paul was facing in Ephesus when he wrote this letter. The Word of God, so there's no doubt that some of it is difficult. Deny yourself. Or we do good at taking up our cross. But that denying itself, man, jeez. Really? How about I deny myself on Sunday afternoon? That's not what it says. This system that is trying, that has absorbed us, I'm sorry, it has absorbed us, is absorbing the church. And the reason is, the church is afraid to take a stand. Why we need to be told the Word of God? Why do you sit under teaching of gifted men? Why? So I'm not absorbed by the world. If you're taught the Word of God, then you will be bold and confident in it. So many know the Word of God, but they have no confidence about the Word of God. Listen, people sometimes think I'm... uh, Well, they think a lot of things. Some of it you can't repeat. But they think I don't care. They think I'm cold-hearted. They think I'm too blunt. They think I'm this. They think I'm that. Let me tell you something. When you grieve, I grieve. When you are blessed, I am blessed. When you hurt, I hurt. When you have a problem, I have a problem. And let me tell you something emphatically. That is not my nature. My anger, and one or two of you have seen it, my anger is the world because it is seductive. I have watched it do things that I couldn't dream were possible, and it did it. I watch people with the best intentions end up in some of the most vile places because they didn't listen to God or godly counsel. I never confront anybody except for your own safety. And yet, I'm a Pharisee. Self-righteous. I'm filling the blank. Listen, the anger, the seductiveness of this world, it hurts all of us. Every single one of us. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world. Okay, the word conform there is what means to press into a mold. I come from an industrial area of Ohio, and I've seen this. You can take aluminum and press it hard enough, and you come out with some kind of weird cupcake pan. But it was a solid sheet of aluminum a minute ago. I've seen it. And that's the terminology he's using. Do not let the world push you into that mold. And the way that I defeat the pressure that is pushing me into that mold is that I renew my mind daily in the Word of God. And you know what comes out of that? You become a living sacrifice, which is your and my act of spiritual worship. I've had people call. Not so much anymore. I think i got a reputation. But they used to call me and say, What kind of worship do you have? Contemporary? Blending? Or traditional? I said, We have living sacrifice. What? 
Yeah. That's what I'm told. That's what it says right there. Read it. This is your act of spiritual sacrifice. I want that. I don't want to be conformed to the world. Listen, I spend a lot of time in the world. I understand how it works. I don't want no part of it. It's hard to think right. We are Christians. We belong to Jesus Christ. I don't belong in this world. I'm passing through. I'm a pilgrim. We are to think different than this world thinks. And you know what? The Apostle Paul is getting very specific here when it comes to marriage. Okay? Ladies, I love you. It ain't going to get easier. When it comes to marriage, he is very specific about the home. And we have serious trouble in that. I told you that this book, some of you weren't here when I first started this, but I told him, I said, this book will have a scouring process to it. Okay. And the reason that I knew it would is because this is biblical unity. Man has his unity, but you go check it, it's tolerance. That is not biblical unity. Biblical unity is that we submit to one another. Biblical unity is that we adhere to one another. Biblical unity is we lift one another up. Biblical unity is we are here for the edification of each other. Last week I showed you 1 Peter 3. What a woman, what a wife should desire. God's great desire that she has a gentle and quiet spirit. Gentle and quiet spirit. You ever notice that some of the loudest mouths are female? I know, you think I'm being biased. I've been reading too much of Paul. No, I'm not. I watch it. I've been around long enough. I pay attention. I spend a lot of time listening. And I'm I'm not here trying to bust anybody's chops. I'm just trying to tell you. First Timothy chapter two. Women are to learn in all submission, recognizing the leadership of the man. And you know, <laughs> I think most of you right now are going to say. That's no problem. I do that. I haven't gotten into uh, the manner of submission. This is God's design and creation. Man has authority. Right? 1 Corinthians 11. Submissive place is not unequal. When it comes to spiritual position, women are as equal with men completely. Women are not inferior. That's not what I'm saying. It's not what Paul's saying. It's not what God's saying. Women are as a helper. As a helper. Okay, if a woman's going to help a man, then what do you suppose she should do? See what the man's up to. What is it you're doing? Then help him with it. Okay, instead of telling him what he needs to be up to do. That's not helping. It's not helping. A helper is one. The woman is to be a helper to the one who has oversight. You have a leader ahead. And the woman is to assist him in as he is leading or directing. Do you know what uh, <laughs> manipulation is? Ladies, I love you. That's not helping. Okay? And 
I have yet to meet a woman who hasn't exercised it once or twice. That is not helping. That is not helping. I have asked for advice. I've asked advice from women. I've asked from, from Paige. Okay? And you know what? Sometimes I think, gosh, that's a pretty good idea. Sometimes, uh, no, not so much. Okay? What should the response be? I can tell you what the response should be. I ain't going to tell you what it's been sometimes. It should be as unto the Lord. Amen. He said no. Amen. See the difference? But we are in a day and age, uh, you know, what is that term they use? The glass ceiling. Who in the world would put a glass ceiling in anything? Maybe mylar, but not glass. It hails around here. And yet I see it. And do you realize that that is the design for a functioning family? She is a helper to his direction. Well, he won't make up his mind. That ain't what it says. Well, he's too slow. Then you must be learning patience. See what I'm trying to get at? This is God's design. See how abstract that seems in our society? Titus 2, remember that one? Focus of women. Older women are to teach the younger women what? To love their husband? Love her children. You know what that means? Love your family. You know what is incredible about that? Why does that have to be taught? Why do we have to teach that? Why is that not inherent in our nature? But it says older women are the teacher. And what else were they supposed to do? Keepers at home. Three things that are the priority for women, wives. The home. The home. My daughter, she graduated from Christian college. Very solid Christian college. And she got out. Got her a job in retail. She got a degree in business, something or other. And uh, she decided, Dad, I'm going to go out on my own. I said, Tara, it's not safe. Well, Dad, you know, I went to the master's college. And, um, I'm ready. I said, Tara, it's not safe. I recommend if you got kids, if you got females, they stay in your home until some dude puts a ring on their finger and walks an aisle. Then it's his problem. No. <laughs> I highly recommend that because my daughter crashed and burned. You know what was really cool about it? It only took her about 90 days. And she came back. She stayed with us until Ivan the Terrible showed up. That's what I call my son-in-law. He hates that, and that's why I do it. It says I'm not supposed to exasperate my children. It doesn't say I can't exasperate other people's children. And then <laughs> I loaded her up in a U-Haul with, Child, baby! <laughs> this is the priority. They are a keeper of the home. And the thing is, as I look at it through the New Testament time frame, it was extremely difficult for a woman to function outside of a family life. I would argue that today, that it's extremely difficult for a woman to function outside of a family life. Okay? She's got new bosses who are all following God's Word. We know that. And I don't think... Uh, I love you ladies, but I think that sometimes your 
gender has some problems discerning. Now, people will tell you, Terry, you discern so much, you're a pain. God designed me that way. Outside of the family in the time of Ephesians, outside of the family in the time today, uh, there are many, 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 many difficulties for women. Okay? And immorality is one of them. But there's more than that. There's way more than that. Paul's advice. Remember, Corinthians? Some of you weren't here. Young women are what? You get married and have kids. Well, that is as sexist as you can get. Not if you're worried about protecting the women. That's what he's told the Corinthians. Young women. And it's one of the terms that people don't understand because he says... I would prefer that you all stayed like me, single. Okay? But you know what? how that's written? A spiritual gift of celibacy. So it's got to be a supernatural gifting of the Holy Spirit to stay single. I don't see anybody in that line. I mean, we want to have tongues, we want to have whoop whoop, and we want to have this, that, or the other. Ain't nobody said, I want to be single. Get me with singleness. I've never, I've never seen anybody like that. I mean, they might say it, but you're like, <laughs> fool. Do you know how many times someone has told me, I'm just going to remain single? All of them. <laughs> and it don't work. If it's not supernaturally empowered, that ain't going to happen. That's not true. I knew a Rachel once. She said that she was going to, but she was, she had to find a special man because her brain should have been illegal. She uh, had a doctorate in languages from Dallas. And she went to someplace in Mongolia and created for them an alphabet. And then translated from the alphabet, she she translated out of their language so that they could have a written Bible. See, that's not normal. But you know what? She ran into this guy named Hudson. And you know what he was doing? Translating a different dialect into a written form so he could translate a Bible. Guess what? The supernatural singleness disappeared. And I think they have three kids now or whatever. They've been asking me. They run a seminary in Amman, Jordan. They've been asking me to come. I was like, them people don't like Americans. <laughs> so anyway, it's funny how people say, you should go here. No, I shouldn't. Uh-uh. It's like South Sudan. I ain't going there either. But anyway, so I have seen it once. Okay. Very sweet lady. I've got some pictures. If you look at my door, she's outside of a yurt and she's riding a camel. Uh, she was with me when we were, we were in Israel. She rode a camel in Israel. And when she got off of it, she walked up. She says, you go ride. I said, no, you stink. You've been on that camel. Why would I get on that camel? But anyway, <laughs> that must be my bluntness. Women have many difficulties. In our society, they like to think that they don't. And the society tells them that they won't. But both of those are lies. Young women should marry, have kids. They should not be busy outside of the home. And what I mean by that, there are women who stay at home that should go out because they become the word phrase we translate busybody means that they are outside of the house. What is that term you use? Nosy rosies. Okay. Because they're involved in everybody's busy. Don't do that. The priorities, older women are teach the younger ones. And we've lost that. I've told you my illustration of my grandma taught everybody how to, not everybody. I didn't learn how. How to can. 
And that awful tradition, oh my God, that terrible tradition of making sauerkraut. God, you could, you didn't even have to get in the door. You're like, oh, what? The sewer backed up. Now I'm making kraut. The sewer backed up. I don't care what anybody says. I remember her making that, and you're like, oh, my Lord, woman. But my grandma taught my mom how to quilt, how to do that kind of stuff, how to sew. I know how to microwave. Me too. <laughs> right on, brother. But, you know, it, it is, you know, it's just weird stuff like that. That's gone. I know some Christian colleges like that right now who are wanting to add to their curriculum home economics. I took home ec in junior and high school. <laughs> I had to make a shirt. <laughs> My God, I hope there's nobody that size that can wear it. Because <laughs> it's great. So I decided that that wasn't the best thing for me. But Christian colleges are wanting to teach home economics now. You know why? Women don't know how to be keepers of the home. I wonder what the next generation will look like. I know my wife is, uh, or not my wife, my daughter, she had to start over. She had a degree in business. I mean, she knew how to cook things and stuff like that. But now she's stay at home, and she's got two wee ones. And uh, um, she's there for a while. She's calling daddy once a day because she's trying to lose her mind. And kind of hang in there, hang in there. You know, well, I don't know how to make it. I don't either. Call, call your mom. <laughs> I don't, don't, I don't know how to do that. You can't make biscuits in a microwave? What's the matter with you? But anyway, but she's learned it. All right, because it wasn't. And I think, okay, that generation, but she's got a little baby now, Kira. And I thought, what is Kira going to have to deal with? I mean, I know how jacked up it's gotten just in my lifespan. How messed up will it be for my granddaughter? And yet, are you older women teaching the younger women how to love their husbands, love their children, and keep their house? Or wait, we should just send them to a Christian college and they can take home ec. No, you just missed your priority. You missed your priority. I remember yesterday. I remember what it used to look like yesterday. I know what it looks like right now. And it scares me at what's coming. I want to give you a text because sometimes women, when I get on this, they think, well, gee, he just hates women. Uh, no, I don't. Okay. But I want you to think about this. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Hear, my son, your father's instructions. Okay. And do not forsake your mother's teaching. You know who were found, was foundational to Timothy before he ran into Paul? His grandmother and his mother. You know what they were foundational in? Teaching the Word of God. It's so important. Verse 9 says, Indeed, they are, that would be mom and dad, are a graceful wreath to your head, and ornaments around your neck. That's what mom and dad should be doing. Wife is supportive of her husband. He helps, she helps him in his career and if necessary to work alongside. She ministers to him. 
You know what the word minister means, right? It isn't go, amen. That is not minister. It's serve. She serves him. She serves her children. And we looked last week to Proverbs 31. She's available to the needy. And she studies to teach. I've known some ladies in this church who, through the young ages of their children, were home every day with them. And I can give you a list of their names, and they'll tell you that this is what I did, you know, when they're taking the naps and stuff like that. I studied the Bible. The more I studied the Bible, then I get the little darlings up, and then you have a focus of Jesus Christ, and you're dealing with your kids. And then when your husband comes home from work, you've got a focus of Jesus Christ, and you deal with him. Even if he's an unbeliever, you have a gentle and quiet spirit. Why? I've seen women who waste time being busybodies because I stand home with my kids. And I've seen women who take the time that they have with their children and they study in depthly, guiding themselves through the Holy Scriptures. And when they walk away, they are at the point now when the kids are up and gone, they are now an older woman to teach younger women. How to love their children, how to love their husbands, how to keep the house. I've seen it both tracks. And I can tell you that the track that wastes time, when it's time, it's a waste. They work alongside, they minister to their husbands and minister to their children. And yet they're always available to the needy. When a need comes up, they're there. They're able. They study to teach. This should be a mother's commitment, a wife's commitment. If there's no interest, then there's no commitment. And if there's no commitment, I will give you this warning as a brother in Christ. If there is no commitment... You will reap what you sow. Okay? Teach them the things of God so that they can, and then you, so they can, flesh them out. These are the things of God that I've taken in for reading, and this is how I act based on what I have taken in. My uh, daughter sent me a a picture of Eric. He's sitting in a chair, and it's just it's one of those text things like this. I might have it blowed up about that big. But anyway, he's sitting in a chair, and he's got a book, and he's looking at the book. She said she was teaching him to read. And if you blow it up, you look around the corner, and it's The Holiness of God by A.W. Tozer. <laughs> you're like, gee, <laughs> <many> crickets. <laughs> you're like, wow, all right. She says, he's doing some light reading. <laughs> let, him, let him teach his sister. Listen, one of the things, and you're hearing a lot about it right now, is we should never allow the schools to override the impact of the testimony of the home. Okay, I'm not an anti-school person. Okay, public school. I'm not. All right? But if you haven't laid a foundation for them kids to stick, then you better get them out. But if you... Listen, it's not making your kids sit down to a Bible study before dinner. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about they see Christ in their parents so that they walk that way. So when the world will hit, the world's going to hit them. You cannot protect them from the world. But if they don't have a rock solid confidence and seen the new nature, they're dead meat. They're absolutely dead meat. But you train up a child in the way they will go, what happens? They'll come back. But the problem is, we don't do that. 
We don't do that. That's one of the most encouraging things that I was out there at Cowboy Camp was all of the kids. Hank said him and John Metley. John Metley can't do anything. He's older and dirt, and his back is all jacked. Wait, Hank is too. Never mind. They are more of the administrators. And this tent, it's one of them big, like you'd see at a circus. Okay? And it's got all these big stakes that have to be put in, and you tighten down it. He said, the oldest kid working to do that was 16. To help them set up, they have three pavilions that they set up, and they have to put the stage together. They have to put the pulpit up on there, and work the sound equipment, put the speakers up, and it was all kids doing it. And I was like, Wow. And then, of course, the guy asked me what I was doing there. But anyway, but it was all children. And I, I'll be honest with you, in all the years I've been going out there, and I don't know how many years that's been, but it's been more than three. But I've never seen that many young people. And yet I have been in other countries and see that the bulk of these churches are young people. And they'll all say the same thing. That's the future church. That's the future church. I mean, to see Christine and Grace up leading music, you're sitting there going, am I in a parallel universe? What the heck happened here? Because that's what it should be. But you have to do that in your home. If you're going to stand against the assault of the public schools, you had better have them kids grounded. And I'm not talking about Jesus loves me, this I know. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about dispensational theology that they know the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. That they know the difference between the holiness of God and the holiness of Christ. They know the power of the Holy Spirit in the believers and how He is there to empower every believer for the gifts that is needed for the church that the Holy Spirit places them in. Do they know that? I'm not talking about weak things. I'm talking about deep things. Because the stuff that the world is pumping is not weak things. It feeds the flesh. When you've gone through all of those priorities, ladies, okay, which is serious work, then I guess uh, you can go get a job outside of home. All right. It'd be nice in America if someone was at home during the day. Out there, most of the women are stay at home. But I mean, they're ranchers. Where are you going to go? And it's like Stephanie says, I could live out here if you didn't have to drive 400 miles to work. That's <laughs> like, yeah, okay. Be nice. Be nice. And you know what's really cool to me? A Christian is an amazing resource. I mean, an ama- you think about in this day and age, the resources that a Christian has to a lost, decaying, dark world is amazing to me. Okay, I'm going to touch on the point here real quick. Manner of submission. These next three points are really pretty simple. The manner of submission. We've looked at the matter of submission. The manner of submission. End of verse 22. As to the Lord. When you submit to your husband, it should be as to the Lord. Okay, now listen. (laughs) This is not a sacrifice for the sake of acting spiritual. All right? This should be natural. Uh, In my days here as the pastor when we were downtown and then when we were up here, I've had a plethora of women insist that they needed to tell me they are submitted to their husbands. And my response is always the same. Perhaps you should tell your husband. 
Okay, because if you got to tell me, one of us has got a problem. All right? Just do it. You don't have to tell anybody. But sometimes we, some women believe it is necessary. Let me pronounce this so you know my spirituality. Okay, it's like when you punish a child. Right? You punish them. Yes. And you're like, they didn't get it. They're standing over in the corner or whatever. They're doing. You bust their butts or whatever. They didn't get it. I mean, they got caught, paid a price, still mad at you. I'll get over it. Okay, ladies, I'm going to make this a quick point. You ready? If Jesus came up to you and said, quit your job, go home and take care of your children, what would be your response? Before you answer, you know, me and my second parts of the question, what if your husband said it? See, these are the Lord's principles. This is the Lord's design. Verse 23, we'll get more into that later, but husband is the head of the wife as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. So do you understand that the husband stands in the place of Christ in your relationship with your husband? As unto the Lord... Listen, I told you that this letter deals with unity. Okay? It's going to be a unity letter. I'll ask you a question. How many of our families individually are unified? See why Paul doesn't want mixed marriages? How do you get unity out of a lost person and a saved person? And the lost person is the man, and you are to be submitted to him as unto the Lord. How do you do that? How many marriages that I have seen in my days that there is no semblance of unity? And you want to wonder why the church seems so disunified? I mean, if the husband and wife can't pick up their appropriate role, what makes you think the church is going to do it? See what I mean? That's pretty straightforward to me, this manner of submission. This manner should be as unto the Lord. I am submitted unto my husband as unto the Lord. I am his Helpmate. I'm here to help him. I strengthen him in his career. I strengthen him in his task. I strengthen him in his ministry. I strengthen him in his walk. And I love my kids, especially when they move to the other side of Mississippi. Okay? As unto the Lord. God has set these principles, and that is the manner of submission. Okay? If I hurt your feelings, is it me or him? I can blame me. You, I don't get blamed for as much as the ex-president did, but I have been blamed for a lot of things. This is our walk. Do you see why it is so difficult in this society? But the truth of the matter is, the only thing different about this society and Ephesians, they didn't have television. I mean, the world can just creep in and bleh, <laughs> and you're like, here we go. 
I mean, and then they ruined it because I used to say, yeah, but it's just sports. And I look at what sports has done. You're like, you're telling me that the only sport I can watch is hockey? Because the rest of them disrespect. And then it's a Canadian team in the Stanley Cup. How am I going to get by with that one? Okay. I didn't say it was going to be easy. But I have people right now who are counting the number of messages that I'm doing for women and I have to be at least equal with the men. Okay. I love you guys. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, the author and the finisher. Help us. Father, we can't do this. And yet you've already given us be filled with the Spirit. Speaking with one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our hearts and giving thanks for all things. Father, I thank you for the husbands and wives that are in this fellowship. I pray that they are strengthened through this text. Father, I pray that each of us will desire to walk worthy, spirit-filled. Lord, we love you, and I praise you. Thank you for bringing us together today. Thank you for the wonderful joy of our salvation. And may we be focused on the glory of the risen King in all things that we do. I love you. We thank you. In Christ's name. Amen.